Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 105, One for the Road. He finally let it go after I was off the bus and sitting on the stoop to my building. I told him about the encounter with Gerben. That lit him up like a cluster of Zippos. Perfect, he said, then imitating the universal chimp twat. Me? I don't want to jam it up inside of you. That is so my dad's generation. We can snuggle. And oh, look, I'm making a tent. Can you help me with that? We both laughed. <laughs> so anyway, I kind of blew up and Cammy got really upset and sobbed, I said. But I mean, I can't believe she fucked him. Who needs a girl like that? It's like she's soiled. What makes a woman want to fuck chimp twats? It's, I just don't get it. Now you know how I feel. It's not the same. Yes, it is. It really is. The day I found out Cameron wanted to fuck you was the day I crossed her off my list. You're saying I'm a chimp twat? Not even close, he said. You're like a teenager who shows up in homeroom with Cheeto dust on his shirt and lips while laughing that stupid laugh. You look like you swallowed a saxophone. So now you have all these weird joints sticking out of your baby fat. Definitely not a chimp twat but strange in a way I don't even have words for. There was this long pause while I stared at the sky. No stars. So what are you going to do? He asked. About Cameron, I mean, just write her off? I don't know, I whined. It seemed perfect. Shit happened and... I let it get away from me, and now I find out she likes chewing microcranks. You remember one for the road? He asked. It was a question that came from his own ruminations, but it rang a bell in my world. Oh, yeah. Bobby Whispers, right? His tobacco that tastes like cunt? I asked. Well, he's been getting a lot of orders for it over the internet, and he needs help filling them right now, and Cameron goes down there sometimes to help out when she needs cash. So Cammy is blowing whispers now? You're such a piece of work, he sighed. A lot of chicks from the hat shoot go down there to help out and bang Springfield too now and then. Bobby got some unexpected demand for the tobacco, especially from college campuses, so I guess he's going to try to put in a more permanent crew when he gets his bearings. But right now, it's pretty much anybody who goes down there and gives him a hand gets paid. If Cameron turns you off, you might see Cynthia. She's been there a few times, I hear. Big crap, Cynthia. I should have slammed her when I had the chance. So if you want to bump into Cynthia and maybe have shit strike twice, you can go down there and offer to help out. That is, if you're not still scared of her.
So there are college campuses filled with guys who smoke pipes, and these guys are all into the piquancy of cunt. Seems implausible. That's why it caught Bobby off guard. Nobody knows what the demographic is. Could be a big bunch of lesbians. Who smoke pipes? Could be a fad. Still. Look, I don't know any more about it than you do. It's a mystery. I get it. But he's got customers and he needs a hand and sometimes one hand is Cynthia and another hand is Cameron. You could go down and try that insane appeal you have to desperate women, or... Or? Or you could try being faithful to your wife. Let's save that for the next draft of my life. And going down to Whispers' place to meet a chick sounds kind of high school, I said. Like accidentally bumping into somebody at the sock hop. Sock hop? When did you go to high school? 1954? Anyway, our whole lives have been high school. It's just we don't get to live with our parents anymore. Uh, yeah, I guess. I'm a little surprised you're including yourself in the high school characterization, though. I guess if you're going to be self-deprecating, I can go along. You're such a mensch, he said. So... The day after that conversation, uneventful. A day in a bartender's life. I called up Kurt Libby and asked him if he still wanted to stage a play or start a theater like we keep talking about, but no progress on that front other than me saying I wanted to call it the Pairs of Things Theater Company and Libby saying he wanted to call it the Piecemeal Theater Company. We got into a kind of argument about it, then made another date to hash it out in the diner on 92nd and Broadway maybe a week later. Junior could tell I was depressed that day, and she seemed concerned. I told her it was because I didn't get the juicy part, the Gerard part. Then I told her as much as I could about the chimp twat and Cammy while leaving out any mention of my extramarital hard-on. Obsessing on the image of Cammy chomping Thorpewind made me mope, but Junior bought it that I just wanted to play Gerard and that I was despondent because the part went to some lesser talent who maybe put some money in the show. And wanting that part meant I must really want to be acting again. So my disappointment over Cammy played out like a much deeper desire to be in a show, any show, than I actually had. I got the trades just to have them out that day. And I started talking about getting some pricey new headshots. But fortunately for my finances, Junior's attention drifted to some museum of the humanities politics that had been crackling through her brain. So I never actually had to shell out for the pics. It was like Junior and I almost never talked. But in the good way. I had a routine. She had a life. Her ass was starting to look great again. Her cleavage seemed more assertive than usual. She bought a couple new blouses to wear to work in the newbie school. Blouses that looked like they could be part bustier. Blouses that made her new and assertive cleavage reach out and punch you in the eye like a fistful of nipples. She now and then told me how frustrated she was with Head at work and how she thought she had a solution this time. And... Blah, blah, blah. 
Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2022, by Dan Redge.